Welcome to the Good Courage Podcast. This is Jay Gamlin. This is the third in a series of podcasts where we're exploring what is the Holy Spirit, what does it mean to be spiritual, what is worship, and today we're going to dive into the idea of prayer and talking a little bit about prayer, what it is and what it does for us. And uh, I'm going to share a little bit how, about how my own prayer life has evolved. So uh, take a listen. But first, a moment of gratitude. I wish you'd never go. Today, I want to be thankful for our neighbors. So uh, earlier this year, uh, we have a lot of wind here in Colorado, and uh, sometimes when the wind really picks up in the evening, it really picks up, and we can get these giant 50-mile-an-hour blasts. Uh, the, the fences around my backyard uh, are probably original from 1991 when they first built the house, and so the fence blew down between me and my neighbors, the Kagayamas, and... Uh, you know, so we talked about what we were going to do, and we decided we were going to build the fence together. And so over the last several weeks, we've dug out old um, fence posts. We've got a big two-person auger. We dug new holes. We put in new posts. And yesterday, we were just in the last stages of putting up the pickets. To say that I have great neighbors is a little bit of an understatement. I am so thankful for Sharon and Rich and for their generosity and care. They... um. When my kids helped out, they cooked burgers for us. They've done all the work of ordering all the material and getting it all here together. And despite being in their late 60s, they just just have been super helpful as we've done the hard work of putting together a new fence. So I just want to say thanks to having neighbors. For those of you who don't have great neighbors, sorry about that. Maybe you can start healing those relationships or... Maybe on the other side of that, if you are ready, you can heal those. You can uh, heal those relationships. Or if you don't know who your neighbor is, maybe today's a good day to go introduce yourself. So let's give thanks to neighbor and love those neighbors. So a big part of the spiritual life and what people call their spiritual life is this whole idea of prayer. And uh, I'll be honest, you know, my, my whole idea of what prayer is and, and how it lives in my life has evolved much over the years. I think especially when you kind of move through this path of deconstructing what prayer used to be for you, one of the things I really wrestled with was what does prayer look like when I leave that first half of my life behind and move into the second half of my spiritual life? I think for many, the first half of our our life really thinks of prayer as something more about um, trying to call God into our existence, sort of like seeing God is over there and trying to make God over here. We talked about that quite a bit in the Holy Spirit and also in that sense of worship and um, Richard Rohr's understanding of the gap. I, I think prayer was a way in which I sort of tried to to, I don't know, eliminate that gap. It, it almost feels now when I think about how I prayed before, it was as if God couldn't see what I was doing, didn't know what I was up to, and I had to sort of cry out and yell to God, and God would go, oh, oh my goodness, I, di- I didn't see that that was happening over there. Well, well, well let me get involved, and let me come and rescue the day, and let me come like Mighty Mouse, uh, fly into the rescue. And so it was about sort of calling God in as my own spiritual life has evolved and I've seen that that God is hyperanonymous that God is all around us that God that the divine is already moving through all things and that God the divine presence is already present in all things I've realized that prayer is much less about me crying out to God to make God for lack of a better word show up and uh, jump the gap it's much more about me centering myself and seeing the God, the divine, the whole uh, being already present. I've found that over time that prayer has become much more about me being quiet and much more about listening. It's much more about sitting into that stillness 
so that the resonance of all things, I can actually hear that. I think one of the critiques I have from my early life is that I spent so much time talking that I just really didn't do enough listening and spent a lot of time sort of asking God what I wanted God to do and and maybe not enough time listening to what God was calling me to do and speaking into my life and and so uh, my my prayer life has evolved uh, due to that. So I'm I'm just going to kind of offer up three ways in which um, I engage my prayer life now. Uh, one is more of a rote prayer. What what do memorized prayers mean to me? The second is sort of listening to what the um, prayer that we commonly call the Lord's prayer. What how that has evolved for me. And then the last is what it means to spend a little more time in silence and quiet and uh, dwelling rather than talking and what that prayer life means to me. So we're going to take a look at those three different kinds of prayer life. So have a listen. So one of the things that I developed over time was the meaning and extent to which um, memorized prayers have grown in my own heart and mind. So, you know, you grow up, I, I grew up, as, as some people do, if, if you grow up in a faithful household, of having a series of prayers that are sort of memorized prayers, prayers that are done all the time. Probably the most common would be uh, what uh, in the Christian tradition we call the Lord's Prayer, where we say, Our Father in heaven, your name is holy, your kingdom come, etc., etc., uh, then there's probably those prayers that you've memorized that you probably don't even think about, like, now I lay me down to sleep, or God is great, God is good, let us thank God for our food. Uh, so, you know, there's those kind of rote prayers. Um, because I come from a liturgical tradition, because I come from a tradition where we often repeat the same prayers week after week at certain points in our liturgies, many of those prayers have nestled into my brain as well. So, there's uh, one uh, that we do during the offering where it says we offer with joy and thanksgiving what you have first given us, ourselves, our time, and our possessions. Signs of your gracious love, receive them for the sake of the one who offered himself for us, Jesus Christ our Lord. So there's prayers like that that came out of our liturgy. As I was evolving in my own spiritual life, um, I, you know, I came from this highly liturgical tradition and I went through a period of time where I won't say that I um, rejected liturgy, um, what I began to do was sort of get tired of saying the same things over and over again and uh, moved into um, a, a community where we prayed what we would say, what we, we prayed much more from our heart rather than simply what was written on a page. A uh, little bit of hubris in saying that and feeling that pride that I had in those moments of kind of like, oh, why do we need a written prayer when we can just pray from our hearts? Why do we always have to have it written down for us? And, 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 but, you know, I had that period of time where, where we wanted to be more organic and, um, praying what sort of rose up out of our heart and spirit at the time. Nothing wrong with that, but I, I can tell you that I probably had a little bit of the rejection of liturgical and rote prayers during that time. As I've evolved and as I've kind of grown in my faith life, one of the things I have found is that I'm returning much more to some of those rote prayers that I've encountered in my life. And I think this is for a couple of reasons. Um, number one, one of the things I like about a rote prayer is that a rote prayer was not written for me. It was written for well, I don't know, the cosmos, for the all of humanity, for all. And and so there's something about this that it means letting go of my ego and what I think I need in that moment and, and praying what is specific to me and instead connecting my prayer life to a, a greater vision of uh, prayer around the world. Um, so I, I, I have the sense of, of being a little more humble when I'm praying a rote prayer. Another thing, number two, that I would, I, I've learned to appreciate about rote prayers are that uh, sometimes I don't know what to pray and therefore I need wor someone else's words to pray for me, what, what, what I probably may not have thought of myself. When somebody else has written the prayer, there, 
they're speaking from their own context and ideas and they're giving me words in a way that perhaps I'm I, I need to hear that I need to to engage I have to, I have to have a new way of praying that particular thing and so what I've li- liked about rote prayers is is when I'm not sure what to pray these are words given to me and I can use those words to pray and to um, engage that spiritual life in me and uh, last one of the things I've liked about rote prayers is when I enter into a moment or a space where I'm not sure what to say uh, I I don't know what to pray or perhaps in my own spirit I just don't I don't have that connection or I'm feeling just distant or I'm I'm just struggling in my own spirit that when I have this rote prayer there is a gift in not having to think about it not having to process what I'm thinking and feeling and instead can simply lean into the gift of someone's else someone else's prayer given to me so that I can pray what I need to pray let me give you a couple of examples of rote prayers that have been very meaningful to me. The first is is one that I've, I've just shared with you, the the offering prayer. I, I love this little prayer. It, so what happens in our liturgical tradition, after after we do um, the teaching portion, we, we enter into a time of some people may enter into the creed. This is the response part that we talked about in worship that there's prayers, sometimes there's a creed, sometimes there's a baptism, sometimes there's those things. And it's usually this point in our tradition that we would pass an offering plate. Um, These are gifts that people can or don't have to give to the life of the church so that it can work towards its mission and at its best, so that it's supporting the people doing ministry on its behalf, that it's supporting Uh, mission and ministries maybe far outside of itself gifts that the church gives on behalf of the people to to organizations around the world so so there's this uh there's this part where we pass these offering plates um when we pray this prayer it it really is in such a succinct way what generosity means uh in my christian tradition so let, let me repeat it again so that we can hear it it goes um a merciful God. So first, we're identifying identifying the character of God, a God, a God of mercy. We often think of mercy as purely a part of a you know punishment mindset, but merciful just means full of grace, full of forgiveness. It says most merciful God, and then I love this. It says we offer with joy and thanksgiving what you have first given us. So what I remind, what I like this first part is that when we when we return to mission and ministry, that which does not belong to us. So when we turn to mission and ministry, we, we do this from a place of joy, that it becomes an expression of joy and thanksgiving to give that thing up. I remember a story of uh, a young woman in my college ministry days who was really struggling with uh, 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 stuff on online stuff that was really becoming an addiction for her, that she was really struggling with this. And uh, we offered a time when people could bring those things in and give them away as an offering and that they would be uh, turned over to somebody who could use them. And she brought in a pretty nice laptop. And when she put it into the place that we were, people were bringing their offerings, she was so happy. It was like a release of this thing that, had, that was kind of holding her down, that was she was almost captive to, that she had joy in giving up an expensive computer. I think it reminds me that in generosity that we are meant to do this out of a place of joy and thanksgiving. It's a matter of being thankful for what we have and being able to give this away to places that that can use it. I, I think that's a good start. So it starts with that we offer with joy and thanksgiving. And then what you have first given us, a reminder that the world is a gift to us and all we receive our gifts. Yes, we earn these things with the gifts that we have received from God, whether, you know, if you're a good ma- mathematician or a good thinker, you, as an engineer, you have earned uh, monies, but you have used the gifts given to you in your creation to earn those things. So there's something about returning back out of thanks for the gifts that we have received, returning those back 
that opens our heart to being generous and gracious and merciful just as God has been merciful. So we offer the joy and thanksgiving what you have first given us. And then it lists three things, ourselves, so our very bodies, the very person that we are, our time, a very valuable commodity that giving of um, some time in our in our lives to to help support serve worship gather communicate love and possessions so those things that we have so it's return of these things and then at the end of that it says signs of your gracious love so all of those things that we have our very bodies are the time in which we live in and and the things that we possess are all signs of God's love in our life and work. So it's 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 an idea of reminding us to hold these things lightly and seeing these as a place of love, signs of your gracious love. And then when we return them, we say, we say, receive them for the sake of the one who offered himself for us, Jesus Christ our Lord. What I love about that is to remind her that Jesus gave himself fully away and lived a life of radical generosity, giving his own heart, his own time, his own energy, even his own life away for the world so that the whole world would be whole. That when we give ourselves away in some whatever small measure or large measure that we can, that this is a reflection of Jesus giving himself away. So we, we, we give this back in the same heart and spirit that Jesus gave himself. Um, Jesus Christ our Lord, amen. So it goes, we offer with joy and thanksgiving what you have first given us ourselves, our time, our possessions, signs of your gracious love. Receive them for the sake of the one who offered himself for us, Jesus Christ our Lord. I love that little prayer. It's such a beautiful little gift. And so um, I, that's just one example of a rote prayer. Another is one that we use all the time here, the prayer of good courage. This was a prayer given to me at a time when I was not sure what to think and feel, when I was um, struggling with my own identity, struggling with where I was being called to go. I was lost. I was confused. And this was a rote prayer that offered itself to me that became like a mantra in my life. Um, it goes like this. Uh, you, you've heard me pray it before if you've been listening to this podcast, but here it is again. Lord God, you have called your servants to ventures of which we cannot see the ending, on paths as yet untrodden, through perils unknown. Give us faith to go out in good courage, not knowing where we go, but only that your hand is leading us and your love supporting us. In the name of love, whose name is Jesus. Amen. So this rote prayer for me came at a time when I really needed someone to pray for me, and I didn't have words for it myself. So breaking it down just a little bit, it's, um, Lord God, you have called your servant. So putting me in a place as someone who's here to serve, to serve um the, the divine vision for the world. You've called your servants to ventures of which we cannot see the ending. So sometimes we're called into spaces where we don't know where we're supposed to go, where we're entering into a fog and uh, we're not exactly sure what's ahead of us. Um, Lord God, you've called your servants to ventures of which we cannot see the ending. And then on paths as yet untrodden, so um, paths that are not worn by our own feet yet through perils unknown, meaning that it doesn't necessarily mean that this path is full of sunshine and rainbows and, 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 and our God is not a God of punishment and reward. It's a God who simply walks with us. And so there may be struggles ahead. It says, give us faith to go out in good courage. So it's, it's, this is the ask of this particular prayer that we would trust that this is our path, even if we don't see it, even if we don't understand it. And then asking for the virtue of courage, um, the to be brave as we step forward into something of which we're not sure we know where the ending is not knowing where it goes but only that your hand is leading us and your love supporting us so a promise at the end that it is uh, God not creating the path and moving us forward but God is walking with us supporting us and and walking beside us and leading us into this new venture and then um, my own way that I have closed my prayers in these written prayers is in the name of love whose name is Jesus. It's just a reminder to me that Jesus is a sign of God's love for all. And if we want to know what love is, we look to Jesus to, to define and understand love um, in my own Christian tradition. Um, certainly not as the only example of love ever but as a definitive sign of love. And so that has been a beautiful rote prayer. Let me just share one more that I've really loved. 
And um, this is a prayer used at two times. Um, one is just for uh, going to bed at night and to rest. And another has been when I've been with people who are in the last days of their lives. And uh, this was a prayer that was repeated after every sermon by a colleague of mine, um, uh, Reverend Dr. Bill Trexler, in my first call in Norfolk, Virginia. And he closed every prayer by saying, Lord God, no, he, he says, oh, Lord, you, um, oh, I'm forgetting it now. Hold on. It says, oh, Lord, here it is, sorry. Oh, Lord, support us all the day long until the shadows lengthen, the evening comes, the busy world is hushed, the fever of life is over, and our work is done. And then, in your mercy, grant us a safe lodging, a holy rest, and peace at the last. Amen. First of all, it's just beautifully poetic, and it puts into words all of the feelings I have for when I want to put a day to bed and to just simply lie down and close my eyes and sleep. And so sometimes this is the prayer I utter to myself when I, when I lay my head down to bed. This is also a prayer that I've spoken over the beds of many of my friends and even my family members, including my father, um, praying this prayer of after a life of hard work that it is time to rest and to simply be. Uh, I love having that prayer and that, that language for that moment when I'm sitting with people in their final days, that I'm not there to invent something from my own heart and mind, but instead have this gift of a rote prayer to teach me and to tell me what to pray. So here's just three examples of how rote prayers have been an important part of my prayer life. Um, I'd like to uh, just shift gears here, and so we're going to listen to just a little bit of music and give you a break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about the Lord's Prayer and how it has been a help to me in thinking about how I process and work through prayer. It's like a dance It's like a wheel Less like math Less like a deal More like a heartbreak Beginning to heal We can start over are hard words to hear in a world where nothing is free and it's hard to trust in a promise that sounds too good to Like math, less like a deal. 
is Forgiveness Waltz, a song by my friend Jonathan Runman, now Pastor Jonathan Runman, who's been doing music for a long, long time, and I've been a long admirer of his work. I find this as like a great example of um, words being given to express an idea that's bigger. So I like that idea of like what forgiveness is. Um, you know, it's like a dance, it's like a wheel, less like math less like a deal, more like a heartbreak beginning to heal. I love that line. At the end, he, he says the same thing, but it says, more like a desert becoming a field. I love those lines that he uses. And, um, you know, having that language helps me understand forgiveness in a way that he's offered those words to me so that I so that I can gauge it. So, um, yeah, uh, I invite you to check out Jonathan Runman and a whole bunch of his music is located and found on uh, Spotify and beyond, I think you would not be sorry to to dive into some great Jonathan Runman. So in this next little step, I want to talk a little bit about this prayer um, that we frequently call the Lord's Prayer. So um, just a little context for those who may not have grown up in a Christian tradition. In the sacred text, uh, the um, there's two different stories of how this one is given. I'm, I'm going to focus just on one where the disciples go to Jesus and they say, so they watch, they're watching him pray. They're watching Jesus in an attitude of prayer and connection. And they go to him and they say, Lord, will you teach us to pray? Will you, will you t- show us what, how to pray? Um, and then they use John, the gospel, the John, the Baptist, who's another character in the gospel that, uh, is Jesus' cousin and also is the one to baptize Jesus and, and sort of launch Jesus' ministry. And they say, will you teach us to pray as John taught his disciples? So, um, and then Jesus says, well, when you pray, uh, and then it says, say this or use words like this. What, uh, and then, and let me just share the Lord's Prayer for those who may not know it. Um, it, it, it says, uh, Father in heaven, your name is holy. May your kingdom come will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive those who debt, uh, as we forgive those, our debtors. And then sort of a, um, it's, the, the, the phrase is a participle. It's harder to say. It's, it's sort of like, and don't let us go into the bad space because you never would. Um, we translate that as lead us not into temptation or save us from the time of trial. And then it really kind of, ends there in the gospel and so uh, it over time it's become more of a traditional um prayer um so the so when it was translated into english uh the original version was an old english and so for many churches they still use the old english though let me be honest jesus never spoke in old english so when we're doing that we're actually just um carrying on a white English tradition of the Lord's Prayer where we say, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our, and we use the word, they use the word trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. So that ending part you can see was fully added on later, much later. But in common English, and and just if you were to translate the Greek into today's English, it would just say, Our Father in heaven, your name is holy, or holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our... And then uh, we use sins in our current understanding, even though it's very clear in scripture, they use debts. And so I find that curious, but we use sin. So, and we'll, we'll talk more about that as we, as we forgive those who sin against us and then, um, save us from the time of trial and deliver us from, um, evil things for the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. So the little slight variations between the old English version from the 14, for the 1500s, 1400s, I think, and then the current one. So a slight, slight different, uh, or maybe it's the 1700s. I'm gonna have to look that up. I can't remember when the King James was written now at the top of my head. I'll have to look that up. Anyway, um, so uh, just a couple of things. Uh, I, I think it's real easy for those of you who grew up in a Christian tradition to sort of breeze through this 
prayer, this is one of the downsides of that rote prayer. Um, to to have a prayer that's memorized, that we can kind of fly through it without really thinking about what we are praying for. And so um, I, I had uh, I worked with an organization called 3DM for a while. I'm, I'm, I'm no longer a part of it, but they were helpful to me in some really key areas. And one of them was a way in which they taught me to use the Lord's Prayer to help develop and grow my prayer life. And it's sort of a combination of praying from my heart, but using a rote prayer to help me um, pray from my heart, to, to see how Jesus was praying and to show me. See, I truly believe that Jesus wasn't saying, memorize this prayer and use it. I think Jesus was saying, when you pray, here are the things that are important to pray for. Here's the heart of your rabbi, your teacher. And when you pray, I want you to pray for these particular kinds of things. So I don't think Jesus was asking us to memorize a prayer. I think instead Jesus was saying, here are the key things for us to pray for as we as we engage um, the vision of the divine in the world. So, And so uh, I think uh, we've, we've made a little bit of a mistake making it a memorized prayer. And uh, instead, I think we're getting to the heart of what Jesus... So, so this is what uh, 3DM uh, sort of taught around this. And it was really kind of going through the six things that Jesus is doing in this prayer. So let's break those down pretty quickly. Uh, first is, is just naming God. So um, in Jesus' prayer, um, it's uh, our Father in heaven. Um, some scholars believe Jesus probably would have said in the Hebrew, Abba or Av, because that tradition of using Abba was carried through um, the New Testament through Paul. And so Av means father, like Av Raham, father of nations in the Old Testament. I think that's right. I know Av is father. I'm going to get that messed up too. So Av means father. I'll look that up. Um, and so, or and then the more personal is Abba or Ava, the, the the kind of making God into a very personal, like more like Daddy, like it's an intimate. Um, and one of the things that Jesus does here is says Our Father, and so um, Jesus is calling in in this particular prayer in this moment. Jesus is inviting the disciples to see God in that paternal um, in that paternal sense, and not only that, but not as God as some distant, faraway thing, or a God that only belongs to Jesus, but a God that is belongs to all. And by saying our encompasses not only all of humanity, but probably all of creation, that this is um, the God of all, of all things. And so in this particular prayer, God is, in this particular first petition, um, we, I was taught to think of this as who is the character of the divine that you are drawing into your prayer, and so, you know, um, when I'm when I'm praying with somebody who's sick, um, what I'm the first thing I'm thinking about what is the character of God in this space? What is the character of God in this moment? And maybe this is God as a comforter. Maybe this is God as one who sits beside our bed. Maybe our God needs to be fully present with this person who is healing or just healing God. So the first thing that they say is to pray for God's character in your prayer and and to spend some time really thinking about who that is. Maybe if we think of God as needing that God as a nurturer, um, uh, you know, one who's going to hold us close, like in Psalm 131, like a little child with his mother um, or her mother. So do we call God mother in that moment? It's really about calling on the character of God in the moment of which you are praying and to spend some time thinking about who is God in that moment. So that's God's character. So Jesus first invokes a character and then uh, it says, and then God says, and then Jesus says in heaven, your name is holy. So it's it's holding that space, that holy space of the divine to be present. Uh, the next is thinking about the reign of God, thinking about where God is present. Um, what we use the word glory in the Hebrew, chavod, which is really about that where God is, where the thin space, where the gap is no longer existing, that we, we pray for, may your reign be done, may the, your vision for the world be done. Um, and may it be your will, the will that you desire for all creation, and may that be here and not just in some faraway space. So it's really inviting the gap to close. Uh, this we we call about we we talk about um, God's reign and God's presence and God's nearness is the next one. So 
Um, they called it God's kingdom. I don't like using the word kingdom as much as I, as, as long as I can help it. So I just think about this as God's presence in that next thing. So where is God present? So in so again, praying for somebody who's healing, I might say healing and comforting God. In your vision for the world, all things are whole and there is no sickness. And we pray for that here in this space, right where we're sitting right now. So we're inviting um, this vision that that uh, the divine has for all of creation, that things would not be broken, but that things would be whole. So um, into that next, we, and on earth as it is in heaven, asking for that here. And then it says, um, give us today our daily bread. Now this one I love. So most people immediately think that we're praying for a meal. Uh, we're, you know, we're praying for the food we eat. And I've seen many translators, I think, really get this wrong. But when we talk about daily bread, we're actually hearkening back to um, to the uh, an Old Testament story uh, where the people were wandering in Israel and they were very hungry. And God says, um, tell the people, send them something to eat. And so the next morning they wake up and there's this white flaky substance all over the desert. And they they all walk out and they look at it and they say, what is it? What is this? And that word, what is it, in Hebrew is the word manna. And so they're all coming out saying, what is it? Manna, manna, what is it? And uh, they, they find that they can collect this and they can eat it. But here's the thing. It only lasts for one day. If they collect more than they need and they try to store it, it goes moldy and gets maggoty and it dies. And so it, it's really saying, what is the thing you need today? Not tomorrow, not some future moment, but really focusing in on this time, in this space, getting super present, hyper contextual. What is the provision that you need? What is it that you need provided in that space? So again, healing, holy and comforting, healing God. Um, we know that in your vision, people are, sickness is not the way and brokenness is not the way and so we pray for you to come and be in this space god in this moment we ask that you bring comfort to this person so that's what we're asking to provide in this moment and patience as they heal right now we need patience today we need patience what i like about this petition is it makes you really get super local and very precise on in that very moment what is it you need what is it what is the manna what is it that you are praying for in that place, in that moment that they need. Um, so give us today our daily bread is really asking the question, what do you need today? And not asking what are you eating and bless, give us food. It's really saying, what do you need provided? So this is God's provision in this space right now that will draw us close. Uh, so give us today our daily bread. The next is forgive us our sins, forgive us our debts, forgive us our trespasses, whatever, however you want to do that. There's two sides to this, what I love. is So the next we're asking for God's mercy, God's grace, God's forgiveness. And so we're saying, God, we are, uh, we confess that we, um, we think we can do it all ourselves, perhaps, and, and we try to shoulder the burden. Now, what I love on the other side, and, and it says, as we forgive others for the same thing. So it's, it's two things running concurrently at the same time that we're asking God for you to offer us grace and kindness and that that same grace and kindness would be extended out from us so that it's not simply God forgive me, period. It's really God forgive me and may I forgive others in the exact same way. So we're asking for uh, the ways in which we've um, fallen short and we've not trusted and we've struggled and asking and reminding us that we're called to extend the same to others. So in healing, we might be praying for uh, God, forgive us for um, for just struggling in this moment and not listening and not trusting and not um, and, and just not doing what we needed to do to take care of our health. Maybe maybe that's it. I don't know. Um, but then saying, and God, help us to forgive others for the exact same thing, that that grace would start and end and, um, in, in the life that you give me and end in the other, so that I'm forgiven and may extend forgiveness. Um, I once heard, and it's sort of a, sort of a backhanded blessing, because if you think about it, it's, it's hard. It says, may the grace you receive be the same as the grace you extend. 
So if you extend a little grace to the others, if you extend a little forgiveness, if you're very judgmental, it's saying, may you receive the same. That's a tough, tough mention. So uh, I, I think what we're trying to say here is that um, we want that cycle of forgiveness and grace to be extended. So, so forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Again, that word sin just means forgive us for all the ways, and uh, the word sin, hamartia, means to miss the mark. So forgive us for all the ways that we, we thought we were doing the right thing and we missed it and we messed it up and help us to forgive others for when they miss the mark as well. Uh, so forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And then the next one is save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. Um, it's, it, what can be confused about this is that we think that we're asking God to save us from God's own wrath or God's own punishment. It's not. It's saying that uh, we're asking to be relieved from those things in our world that hurt and challenge us and stretch us. And so um, uh, that word save us is the word Hosanna. So I like using that. So it's like saying save us from those moments um, be with us, uh, surround us in those moments when we are sorely tempted, when we are um, feeling pushed down, when we are feeling alone and abandoned, um, um, and when we feel surrounded by evil. And I, I, I think there is absolutely evil in this world, and it doesn't need to be a pitchforky demon with a forked tail. It can be in our own systems that we live within, uh, systems of racism, systems of abuse, systems of patriarchy, systems that are just purely evil, and people who can justify their behaviors due to some of those terrible systems. And And I know that in me, there is a voice that wants to do the wrong thing. To call it evil is rough, but it's also kind of true that there's something in me Sometimes that I want to do the very thing I know that is not okay, and so I, I would go. I would just be as bold to call that evil, and so that's a little evil in me. So I'm asking for help and support and rescue in those moments when I am really struggling. So, uh, so save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil in the world, in myself, in the people I work with and and walk beside. I'm asking for help in those difficult moments. And then the end is just a declaration of all that the divine is and saying for everything is yours, the earth, the creation and all that is in it. And for all that you are and for all that you show us, we offer you our thanks, our praise, our joy, even our silence is an offering back to you. And so it's it's a closing of that prayer to try to um to, to remind us about that character of God again. So, again, we start with the character of God. We go to God's provision. We talk about the reign of God and what things should look like. Um, we talk about what we need provided by God. We ask for forgiveness so that we may forgive others. And then we ask for God's help and support and rescue. Um, and then we end with praise. And so, I've found that this has been a helpful kind of rote prayer to remind me of when I am praying for something, what it is I am praying for. And so let, uh, let me just give you an example of what that might look like. Uh, I guess we'll just use that healing prayer. So we might just start with God's character and say, Holy God, you are our comforter and you are here. And you know what? I have a friend right now who's in the last moments of their life, and this is a prayer that I might offer for them. great God of life, God who reminds us that, that, we, that we are yours and that you never leave us alone. We know that, that in your reign, in your life, in your vision, death is not the end, but instead you bring life and resurrection and wholeness to all. God, we pray that in this time of waiting, that you make us patient, that you make us aware and ready for that moment when our life moves from this to the next life. We pray for grace upon us who are in this space, who bring our questions and our worries, our struggles and our doubts in this moment. We pray for your grace and mercy on us who don't always understand 
And help us, God, to extend that same grace to those who don't understand themselves. God, save us from our deep grief and letting grief win in our heart and our mind. Help us to have hope even in our deep struggles. Uh, save us, God, from, from being in despair, knowing that you are with us, that you are around us, that you have shown us the way of life and wholeness. And so, God, uh, remind us of that by your presence today. Show us again, God, that you are here. We pray this in your name. Amen. I don't know if you caught that, but that's me sort of praying around God's character, uh, God's um, reign, God's provision, God's forgiveness, uh, God's protection, um, God's presence and praise. So it's just kind of walking through the Lord's prayer as I offer that. I found that it's just very helpful to my own prayer life when I'm not sure what to pray. I, I focus in on that and I let that go. We're going to enter into our third mode of prayer here and talk a little bit about quiet meditation and, and, and how even knowing that Lord's Prayer can help you with that. Heavenly Father, you always amaze me. Let your kingdom come in my world and in my life. Give me the food I need to live through the day. Forgive me as I forgive the people that wrong me. Lead me far from temptation. Deliver me from the evil one. I look out the window. The birds are composing Not a note is out of tune Or out of place I walk to the meadow And stare at the flowers That are just an So that was John Foreman, the lead singer of the band Switchfoot, if you remember them, from the uh, late 90s. And his uh, he had a series of solo albums, and I think he's still doing solo albums, that were just really lovely little um, thought poems and thought songs. And of course, this one's based on the Lord's Prayer and, you know, give me what I need. I, I don't agree with, but at the same time, I love this idea of just saying your love is strong, your love is strong. It's a great reminder of that character and quality of who God is. And then I love how that prayer evolves into seeing God present in the flowers of the that were carried by the girl and just reminding ourselves that God's presence is in and through all things. So this last little conversation about prayer is probably what I how and what I pray most of the time and what it looks like. And um you know, I think what's mostly evolved in me and what prayer went, so I went for about a year where I really just struggled with prayer and I was really sort of frustrated with myself. It was, you know, doing a lot of deconstruction in my own personal life and spiritual life and kind of breaking down old habits and trying to reconstruct new habits and really just not not happy with what it meant to live a spiritual life and connecting with what 
um, I had been told or what I had had a preconceived notion of what prayer really was about, which to me equated into doing a whole lot of talking. Uh, when I took that year off um, after I um, left my previous church and I had that year, um, I really discovered uh, a new way of praying for me. And uh, it, it, the, it's going to be hard for me to describe, and it's, this is going to be a personal thing that I do. I'm not sure if I can say this is how you can or will pray, but for me it really involved more about listening and a lot less about talking. Uh, and and uh, let me just say that I do this in a, a wide variety of ways. So, you know, I got into sort of meditation, and I don't want to... Um, I don't want to belabor meditation as uh, this sort of cure-all, fix-all, self-help, therapeutic thing, but much more of meditation as a uh, silencing of my head and my heart. I, like most people, I have the loudest monkey brain in the world. It's constantly chattering at me, constantly trying to get my attention. And I found that just any time I was in any kind of silence, I would be immediately thinking about what's next, what's next, what's next, what's next. And and that loudness in me, it made me anxious. It made me frustrated. I, I found I couldn't just simply focus and be. And so uh, using some podcasts um, and uh, a book and uh, some apps, um, I, I, I started trying to be a little more still in my body and in my mind. What it's evolved into for me, honestly, is simply sitting still and uh, focusing on my breathing and trying to surrender any thoughts I have and returning myself to the present moment. So I, I, I sit still. Um, I Sometimes I'm in a lotus position, but probably 90% of the time I'm not. I'm just sitting in a chair. I'm sitting on a bench, I'm sitting out in the field, I'm lying down, and I begin to focus on my breathing, and I begin to pay attention to my body, so I feel where my clothing is touching, where my feet are touching, I pay attention to the sounds around me, I, I, I feel the breeze, I smell, I try to engage all five senses to be fully in the present moment, and to, and to, and to try to silence that, that little micro chatter I have in my brain, and it it's just chattering and chattering and chattering. And uh, whenever it just starts to chatter again, I just, I don't get frustrated. I don't get mad at myself. I simply start counting my breaths. I usually breathe um, three to four seconds in through my nose, four to six seconds out through my mouth. And I literally will just count that in my head because I find when I count in my head, it's hard for my monkey brain to be chattering. And so I, so I just kind of sit and breathe through that. And then... When I finally get to a place where I'm mostly still, mostly quiet, I can't say that I am all the time and all the way there, I simply ask the question, um, what are you showing me today? Or what are you speaking to me today? And then I go back to counting and listening, and I let ideas, thoughts, words pop up into my head. And then, uh, so, you know, I might think of a, there might be a problem that I have at work or uh, somebody that I love who's struggling or um, an idea I'm trying to process or ponder through and then rather than just like focusing on that as a thing to solve I simply hold it uh, I don't know how else to do it sometimes I visualize actually holding my hands out and holding it. sometimes I literally hold my hands out and I just hold it in my hands and I just give my energy to, so like if I'm praying for that friend of mine who's in that last hours just holding them and just saying their name and beginning to repeat their name in my mind and using that as sort of a mantra to keep my monkey brain quiet. So I just hold their name and would just repeat it over and over and over again. And so that has been uh, a real change for me uh, where I'm less trying to solve things, less trying to come to ends of problems or less trying to think of what I want to say and instead letting the voice of the universe speak to me and tell me what to pray for. So uh, maybe it's that person uh, and holding them in prayer means just to hold them. Uh, I don't need to utter words and phrases and, and remark on what's happening, 
but simply to hold them in my heart, in my mind, is is uh, is I think uh, what is a great way of bringing the divine into that space or honoring the divine that's already in that space. Excuse me, I'm not bringing the divine anywhere, but seeing um, the God of life present in that space. Uh, another way that I've changed my prayer life is that I've become very movement oriented. And so, you know, uh, you can go straight to yoga. And I know a lot of people that like the meditative flow of yoga. And I do like the flow of yoga as well. But for me, the most powerful prayer space is running. There's something about the proprioceptive input. So the input of the, the floor through my feet into my body and the almost meditative chant of the thup, 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 thup of my feet. And when I run, I focus deeply on my breathing. I, I find that I usually find the pace I breathe is I breathe in two steps, I breathe out three steps. And so I find myself uh, not thinking about, and I, again, I know this isn't everybody. Some people, all they think when they run is, oh my God, I'm, I'm running, I'm running, help, help, I'm running. For me, though, I can kind of disappear into that running and simply breathe and listen and I find in that peripatetic, in that movement space, my prayer then is uh, usually I, um, I might read something from a sacred text or I might be thinking about something I've read in a book or it might be a poem that I'm holding on to right now. I'm holding on to that poem, Hope is a Thing with, Feveth, uh, with Feathers by Emily Dickinson. Um, sometimes I've prayed that mantra prayer, like the prayer of good courage that I ran up and down a hill, repeating that over and over again. And I find that having my body busy somehow quiets my mind. And it's been good for me as I've discovered. So while I was taking that year off, I just would run every day, um, three to 10 miles, just depending on the day, and would just breathe the same prayer over and over again. Or um, it is a space that I would work on things. It might be a space that I actually would apply my mind um, it's, I do most of my sermon writing, my teaching writing when I run. Um, I process, I think, I, I, I listen to myself, I, I take a look at the world, and I'd be very intentional with that space, uh, asking the divine to say, what, what is it you want me to say? What is it you're showing me? How, how, how do I see this text? What are you lifting up for me? And, and, and letting my body sort of be busy so that my mind can be still and can hold something for a long time. So that's been another just major way in which my whole prayer life has changed is, is a lot less doing and a lot more being. Um, my own practice is I wake up most days and I exercise, which is good for me. And then at the end of every exercise, I sit in stillness for about 10 minutes sometimes shorter, sometimes longer, but I try to think about it as 10 minutes. Usually I do it until I kind of say I'm done. And I've found that sometimes it's been just a minute or two and other times it's been as long as 20 where I just found a decent space. And then by scheduling my runs and making sure I'm running every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday, I am doing that work. And sometimes I'm just holding something while I run. Other times I'm working through something and asking for the divine guidance and in, in, in the divine life in whatever it is I'm working through, um, that it's just been a very healthy way for me to perceive what we might call prayer, which is, in the end, really just practicing the presence of God, just like worship, and trying to recognize the presence of the divine voice, which is singing its song to all of creation, to all of us, all the time. Yeah. So this has been my little kind of where I'm at with prayer. I don't know if any of this is particularly helpful to you, but um, I, I pray that it is. I pray that this, um, I see you, I just said I pray. It is my divine hope that this conversation is helping you open up and see new ways of engaging that practice of listening to, engaging with, that voice which is singing around us all the time and quieting our own heart and mind enough to hear what it has to say to us. Uh, let me know if uh, any of these connect with you or if you are thinking about prayer in a new way or uh, if there's another way of prayer that's been important to you. Send me an email at thehouseofgoodcourage at gmail.com. 
Thank you for listening to the Good Courage Podcast. I'm Jay Gamlin. Our theme music is When You Go by the unstoppable Matt Fagan. You can reach me at thehouseofgoodcourage at gmail.com with your thoughts and comments. Or if you're watching, listening to this on Spotify, there's a place to share your comment there. As always, please like, share, and subscribe. And as always, have good courage. I wish you'd never